Morning. How y'all doing this morning? I'm, I'm just going to grab something. It's okay. Don't get up. It's fine. Ooh. What's under the mysterious blanket? Don't worry. It's way more anticlimactic than you think it is. It's just the best way to bring it out. It's our new lead pastor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be awesome, though. That'd be so fun. Um, that, that may come in handy later. We'll see. Well, so glad you guys could join us and be with us this morning as we gather as the children of God. And uh, we're continuing on our series in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, which has been awesome. And so we're in chapter 8 at this point. So we'll get there. We're going we're gonna to keep slugging through this. Um, I mean, I could spend years in Mark. It's, just, it's amazing. So Mark chapter 8, if you have a Bible or a phone or an app or eyes, you can look on the screen um, to read along as we read through this, this passage. So let's, let's read it. Mark 8, 1 um, to 21. During those days, another large crowd gathered. And since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. So he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, and about 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples, and he went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back in the boat, and crossed to the other side. Now, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand the word of the Lord? So here we have it again. Jesus drawing a large crowd and feeding them, physically and spiritually, I would, I would argue. Now, earlier in Mark, we saw the feeding of the 5,000, and now we have Jesus feeding 4,000. So, side note, 
just for our understanding, how they counted in the day, they just counted the men. So they didn't count the women and children who were also present. So when Jesus fed the 5,000, scholars estimate there could have been upward to 20,000 people there at that time. When Jesus feeds the 4,000 this time, they estimate it could have been close to 16,000 people that he's feeding. So let's just keep that in our minds as we, as we look at this. So, I gotta be honest with you. I often skip over this story and I go to the feeding of the 5,000 because it's feeding 5,000 and this story is feeding 4,000. And now if you have to preach on a feeding passage, which one do you preach on? Well, typically people, well, it's the feeding of the 5,000 because there's more people. But thank the Lord that we are going through the book of Mark and we are preaching it. And there are some actually really important things to learn from this passage. And there's actually some pretty stark differences between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, aside from just the number of people that were there. So maybe you haven't overlooked this and you all know all this stuff, but that's great. But I'll be honest, I overlooked it sometimes. So let's take a closer look. So with the feeding of the 4,000 here, the first, the first thing that I want to draw our attention to is the reason for Jesus' feeding of the 4,000. With the feeding of the 4,000, we see here that Jesus says, I have compassion on these people because they've been with me for three days and they have no food. Now, actually, most likely is they had probably run out of food. It's not like they just showed up for a three-day camping trip and didn't have any food with them. Most likely what happened is people were seeking Jesus and they brought whatever they thought they needed for their journey. And they go and they show up and they find Jesus and then they stick around and their food kind of runs out. Now, they didn't have completely no food because we see that Jesus is like, well, how much do we got? Everybody pool it, bring it in. And they got seven loaves and, and a few fish. So people came to hear Jesus, to meet with him, and they stuck around because stuff happened. They stuck around for three days because of his teaching, his power, his authority. Now, can you think about that? Like, we go on like three-day retreats. Can you think of like a three-day retreat with Jesus? A three-day retreat on the side of a mountain with Jesus? A three-day camping retreat with Jesus, because that's what it would be like, all right? None of this RVing or hotel in it. Like, these people would have been like tents and sleeping around fire. Some of you guys might have checked out at that point. <laughs> but this is interesting that Jesus has compassion on them. He cares for their physical need. That's why he's feeding them at this point. He's like, if they try to walk home, some of them are actually going to faint because they haven't had food and they have to walk a long way. So this is a concern for him which is pretty cool. It shows us that Jesus actually cares about our physical needs. Earlier in the feeding of the 5,000, it's interesting. The disciples wanted to send people away. He's like, Jesus, we need to send these people away. They need to go buy food because we don't have any. And Jesus tells them, no, you feed them. And they're like, what? He's like, okay, come on, guys. You know, let's, let's do this. But in this one, they are around and they run out of food and Jesus has compassion for them. The other thing that's interesting is the feeding of the 5,000 only happened in one day. They saw Jesus on the boat. They ran around the lake to find him, and they showed up, and they're like, oh, so he teaches these people. The day starts getting late, and the disciples are like, hey, we've got to send these people away. And Jesus is like, no, nah, no, nah, you feed them. They feed them, and it says when evening came, he dismissed the crowds. So the feeding of the 5,000 was a one-day thing, but here in the 4,000, they've been sticking around for three days with Jesus. A three-day long retreat. And this is what I love. In Matthew chapter 15, it gives us another account of this story. It tells us what was happening over those three days. 
This is what it says, Matthew 15, 29 to 36. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, many others, and they lay them at his feet, and he healed them. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Can you imagine the joy and excitement and energy that would have been just filling that camp? Thousands of people who've experienced Jesus' healing and power. Children, lame children who are now able to walk and run in joy and delight. The blind man who can see his family for the first time. The man who unable to speak, speaking the name Jesus. Can you imagine the energy, the joy, the excitement? No wonder they stuck around for three days, even if food was running out. Because Jesus met them there. But there's something interesting that Matthew points out. Look at that last line of verse 36. It says, And they praised the God of Israel. They praised the God of Israel. It doesn't say the God of their fathers, Abraham. It says they praised the God of Israel. (laughs) These 4,000 people, they weren't Jews. These were Gentiles. These were outsiders. Jesus came for the outsiders. When he fed the 5,000, those were the Jews. Those were the chosen nation. But here, the 4,000, they were non-Jewish people that came seeking Jesus for help. I mean, that would be a powerful testimony to the disciples of what Jesus came to do. Not just for Jews, but for the Gentiles, which is, which is all of us. He came for all of us. So Jesus does this, this great thing with these people, and eventually they get fed, and then they are dispersed and head home. And so Jesus leaves with his disciples, and he lands somewhere on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. We're not exactly sure where. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the, the teachers of the law... Uh, Matthew also tells us the Sadducees all show up. So it's like these guys came here to gang up on Jesus. Uh, And they came to test him. They came asking him for a sign from heaven. Like, prove yourself right here, right now. Do something amazing that will prove that you are who you say you are. So I was thinking about it. I was like, why didn't Jesus do, do something? Just like, bam, take that. But he didn't. I mean, first off, Jesus wasn't, wasn't a dancing monkey that came here just to do what man tell, tells him to do. And when you think about it, who is it that Jesus actually performed miracles for? It was those who came seeking his help, those who came in need, in, you might say, humility. But we see the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, they came, they came in pride. And arrogance, prove yourself to us because we're the guys you need to prove yourself to because if you don't get our mark of approval, you ain't nobody. What does scripture say? It says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to those who are humble. 
mean, we see that through Jesus' life. Those who came in humility, grace upon grace upon grace. But those who came in pride, we see Jesus opposed them pretty aggressively. I mean, and this is the other thing. He was doing signs and wonders and miracles, and the Pharisees and Sadducees were there to see it. Think about the guy that they they dug through the roof of their friend's house to lower the cripple guy down on the mat. They were there. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. They're like, "Mm, who is this guy who says he forgives sins? So Jesus looks at him and he says, so that you know I have authority to do this, layman, get up and walk. And he does. Jesus has proved himself. Think about the man with the crippled hand. It was like a church on Sunday and Jesus is there. And all the leaders come to him with this dude with a crippled hand. They're like, are you going to heal him on Sunday? Because that's not cool. You can't do that on a Sunday. Jesus is like, what? To not do good? So he heals the man with the crippled hand right there in front of them. So they have seen. But the issue is they did not believe. There was no faith. I mean, if Jesus had, when they'd be like, hey, do something for us. And Jesus is like, okay. That would have like removed the element of faith. He would have strong-armed them into having to believe in him. It's like, you don't have a choice now, do you, huh? That's not what he's about. We are saved by grace through faith. Through faith by grace. And then there's this beautiful moment in here that we get a glimpse into the humanity, the heart of Jesus. It says that he sighs. deeply when they've come to test him. Now, what does that mean? Well, what does a sigh signify? In this situation, you know, maybe resignation or frustration with what's going on. But think about it this way. Everyone is in need of Jesus to save them. Right? None of us excluded from that. We all need Jesus. That included the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the Sadducees. Do you not think that Jesus loved them and wanted to see them come to repentance and to find actual life in Christ? Of course he did. So can you not see that maybe when he's trying to speak to them, to wake them up, and they're just not getting it, Maybe this size. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> I want to see more than this. So Jesus, at that point, realizing that this isn't going to go anywhere because they're so hard-hearted, he leaves. And he gets in a boat, and they're, they're going across the lake with the disciples again. And now you know that Jesus' exchange with all the leaders and stuff is going through his mind as they're in the boat. Right? They're in this boat. Jesus is thinking about it. So he warns his disciples. He says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod, King Herod. Now, what what does that mean? What is that talking about? Well, Jesus is saying, watch out for their teaching. Watch out for their influence. Watch out how for they're trying to get their way in in what's going on. I mean, for the Pharisees, it was like self-righteousness. For Herod, it was self-indulgence. So Jesus is trying to say, hey, watch out for their teaching and watch out for their influence. And he says, watch out for their yeast because like yeast, a little bit will infect the whole thing. So you let a little bit of that in and it's going to affect and infect your whole being. And now the disciples, they missed it. 
they only brought one loaf of bread. And they're like, hmm, yeast. Jesus is talking about yeast. We have a loaf of bread. Yeast is in bread. Ah, we didn't bring enough bread. Peter, you're on bread duty. You didn't bring one of those seven baskets? Come on, man. Like, this is the discussion they're having in the boat. And Jesus, who is in the boat with them, and I mean, there's 12 guys, so it's crowned. I'm sure he's hearing this conversation. He's a, he becomes aware of what they're talking about, and he's like, what? I mean, he, he really seems to let them have it. Like, when you look at what he does, he's like, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? I don't know if Jesus was sarcastic in saying some of this, but like, you know, are your eyes not working? Like, this seems to be a little bit of what he's doing. Don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? Twelve. Like, and when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, he asked, how many pieces did you pick up? Then they answered, seven. And he says to them, do you still not understand? What is it that they weren't understanding? It has something to do with leftovers, apparently. But this is the thing. Jesus doesn't need very much at all to create plenty. They had one loaf. I'm pretty sure Jesus could have made that feed the 12 dudes. But they seem to not get that. But, but I think it goes deeper than just like, oh, okay, Jesus did that with a little bit. He fed a lot of people, so we have a little bit. He could feed us. I think it goes a little bit deeper than that as well. Because when he fed the 5,000, how many baskets of leftovers were there? There's 12. How many disciples were there? There's 12. One basket for each guy. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think Jesus was trying to be like, hey guys, I've got your back. I will provide what you need, especially when you're caring for others and you're giving of yourself to care for other people. I think them thinking like, oh, we don't have enough food is like, well, I guess Jesus doesn't care about us enough to, to help us or where their minds were going in that way. And I think that's kind of where Jesus gets a little bit like, come on, guys. Like, you don't know that I care for you yet? <laughs> that I have your back? That I have good in mind for you? That this is not that big of a deal? But there's something interesting about this feeding of the 4,000. They use words to describe baskets. And surprise, this is it's holidays, guys. Anticlimactic, okay? It's a basket. So something along these lines is probably what the disciples would have filled up with leftovers, 12 of, 12 of these leftovers. But it's interesting when you look at this passage, when he talks about the feeding of the 4,000, he uses a different word for basket. So we're like, okay, well, where else does he use this word for basket? And the only other place we find it in Scripture is in Acts 9.25. And uh, it's where they take a dude, Paul, and they stick him in a basket. It was supposed to be way bigger. That's the biggest I could find. And they stick Paul in a basket, and they lower him down the wall of the city of Damascus to escape the people who were trying to kill him. This is the word they use for the feeding of the 4,000 when they say they filled seven baskets full. They were probably bigger than this, that a human dude could sit in. I mean, you could put your feet in there, but 
Probably those big ones that you've seen that people carry on their back sometimes, like those foldy, bendy, bendy ones. That's huge. Now, it's interesting when you think about it. Jesus had 12 baskets the first time, 12 disciples. Okay, we understand that. You know, God, he will provide. Mm-hmm. And then this time, he has seven baskets of leftovers. I mean, they're huge baskets. But throughout the Bible, seven is a number that symbolizes fullness or completeness or perfection. So Jesus here is making a statement that with him, there's complete fullness. There is wholeness. There is perfection. In the leftovers, guys. Do we get that? In the leftovers, there is fullness and wholeness and perfection. Because when you look at it, it says they ate. In both cases, people ate and they were satisfied. They were filled. They received what they needed to from Jesus. And he's like, yeah, you know what? There's way more where that came from. Way more. A perfect amount of more for you when you come to me. Man. When Jesus gives you food... (laughs) there will be plenty left over. Think of the wine at the wedding in Cana. They're like, oh, the the wedding was going on. They were running out of wine. It's like, oh, Jesus, what do you need? He fills seven huge, or six. I mean, it's a little fuzzy, foggy and fuzzy. That's what I was trying to say about the number on that one. But seven big, huge jars of water. That's more than they needed for the rest of their wedding. Jesus has leftovers. A side note about this, I mean, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I always try to put myself in the story a little bit. And if you're Jesus and you're like breaking bread off, you got up to 16,000 people and you're like, okay, I know that guy's going to eat a lot, so I'm going to need to do this and then I'm going to rip off more and I got to fill seven baskets. And like, that he had that all perfectly planned out just amazes me. I mean, it's, it's Jesus, he's amazing. But like, I think his, his power and his ability is way far beyond what I often like give him credit for. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, huge, cosmic, but even some stuff like that. I'm like, man, he knew exactly how much to do, how much people would eat, how much would be left over. Like, that's pretty cool. But here's the thing. There is no scarcity, there is no lack in the kingdom of God. There is abundance in the kingdom of God within the leftovers. I mean, You and I all know that in our own fridges, not all leftovers are created equal, right? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You know when there's that one meal, it was a decent meal, but then the leftovers go in the fridge and then everybody in the family avoids those leftovers for other leftovers, right? We know we have those ones. But then there's the leftovers that is just as good the second day, right? And it's like, that was an amazing meal, I want some more of that, and that is still an amazing meal. That's what I'm talking about here. With these leftovers, these is just as, it's not the best English, but just as good the second day. And that's in the leftovers. That's not even what we just, what we receive from Jesus. Like there is so much abundance and so much good that he wants to pour out into our lives of who he is and what he has for us. And I think this, this story here just signifies that. He's like, yeah, I can, I can feed these people, but I can do more than that. I can provide enough food for them on their way home. I can provide enough food for my disciples to care for them. Like, he's like, I've got this. Trust me. 
So this is, this is it. Jesus is the bread of life. And you can eat all you want and be satisfied. And there's still so many leftovers. And in case that's not clear enough, Jesus is life itself. A full, satisfied life in which there's no lack or need or want because he's more than you could ever need. I love that we sang that song, Christ is Enough. So my question would be, is Christ enough? (laughs) Yes, more than enough. He is more than enough. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you and we praise you. And God, I'll, I'll admit that often my view of you is small. Lord, I pray that you would expand my view of you. Open my eyes, open our hearts, our minds to your amazing power and the majesty of who you are, God. Open our eyes to see how much you care for us and those who are lost and hurting. God, may we never forget that you are abundant even in the leftovers. We thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, so much for your sacrifice, for giving of your body on the cross for us so that we can be together. We love Jesus. Amen. If you want to pray with somebody, we're going to have people up here to pray with you. Um, Thank you for coming. I invite you. Hang out. Talk with people around you. But um, I'm not just telling you cute stories from the Bible. Like, I truly, honestly believe this with my heart, 100%, because I've seen God do it in my own life over and over again, providing for me and my family, when we're like, what's gonna happen? How's this gonna happen? And God's just, he's got us. He's got you. I wanna read this one last verse before you go. Philippians 4.19, it says this. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches that we have been given in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God the Father forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in God's blessing.